Ah, good luck. Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh, go pretty. That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not believe it. Marshall skips away, Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. He beats O'Davis on the outside. Hello and welcome to um, the latest episode of The Voluntary Tackle. Um, I assume the last time, if you have tuned into us before and you haven't dropped off, that uh, not a lot's happened since the last time uh, we recorded, lads, I don't think. I mean, it was only a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, Mario? Yeah, very yeah, recent. Like uh, I think we're talking about um, something that happened in March and then I got really drunk and I woke up naked uh, with fairy floss around my genitals and now I've just sort of went, oh, how about we do a pod? And it's almost, it's finals time. That's what's happened in that amount of time, so... Look, I don't think we can catch up on everything that's happened in the season, I th- and, and nor should we, because we, we're not, you know, in a position of expertise to do that. But also, it'd be a fucking long podcast. So instead, um, I think we should start Xander uh, <coughs> with the devil in the room, uh, with the gaping wound um, that is last week's game against South. Obviously, we're Roosters fans. I say that every episode, like no one knows. There's only nine of you. You know that already, but. Um, I don't know how you're dealing with it, um, but I have not dealt well uh, with what happened. I, you know, people have come up to me and go, did you enjoy the game at least? And I, I don't think it was a game. I think it no. was more a street brawl. And I'm not really, I'm not looking for any kind of resolution with the loss. I just want maybe a victims of crime report done, um, some kind of reparations, because it feels like, oh, you know, we were assaulted uh, last week and I'm not happy about it. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, it was... It was frustrating to put it very, very mildly. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a rough game to watch, to be honest, just because it was con- there were people constantly going down injured. I don't think anyone was trying to tackle below, you know, the jawline, mm. particularly George Burgess. Very rare uh, when you Tom, see a, a referee go. Or Tom Burgess, sorry. boys try to keep it below yeah. the eye line. Yes, um, that's not normally a directive that you know I Ashley mean, Klein would have the to give. The sin bin was it bounced off the ball. He literally hit the guy there, but then it bounced up. So the I, sin bin. There were ninety. I of mean them. the yeah. Tom that Tom Burgess one. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which Le- one? Yes. Didn't the first one. <laughs> Leading with the elbow into Crichton's face as well. You know, yeah. I mean. Look, you know, let, let's start here, right? I think this is an interesting kind of philosophical divide in the game because I spoke to a lot of people after the game. Um, like they spoke to me. I didn't speak to them. Fucking, I was still in mourning. I still am in mourning. Uh, but they insisted on speaking to me about it. And I think the thing that seemed to come back at me was, geez, it was an entertaining game though. And I heard that a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I wonder if yeah. it's my own biases here because we lost. But I actually thought it was a shit game. Like it was, a, it was a really interesting spectacle, but it was a shit game. I'm not no. sure I've ever enjoyed a game when Manly's lost. I don't look at the 2013 Grand Final and think, "Geez, that was a hell of a game." Mm. I just think, "Fuck, we lost." Okay, because yeah. you, you're a real one-eyed partisan man like that. And it may, I mean, it'd be interesting to know that actually, you know, how other people perceived it. Because I obviously thought, like, I mean, for me, the the pinnacle of the season was actually the Rooster Storm game mm. from the week, you know, the, yeah. the round, round, which was brutal as well. Which was a brutal game, but it wasn't interrupted by constant penalties and, yeah. and, and AVOs and things yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it was, it was a game where the you know the players were left to kind of sort it out more. Yeah. Whereas I felt like in the South Roosters, okay, Joey. <laughs> Um, but it was right. It was. It felt more like that game felt more like an origin where the refs kind of just let it go a bit. Mm. Um, and obviously we won, so I preferred it. Um, yep. But it didn't feel violent. Mm. Was the difference? The it difference was JWH and Turgis were just trying to take everyone's yeah, heads yeah. off, and it, then it, other players what, joined a, in. That was another difference as well. It is it was it was incredibly confrontational and aggressive. But yeah, the the semi against South felt kind of dirty. Yeah. By comparison, yeah. it felt like like that you know sort of famous. Um, Manly Sharks game from the 60s they often talk about Jeez, it how just... old are you mate <laughs> but I wasn't alive I can remember this in the I, bloody Menzies era I was still I wasn't alive for it the, but I have watched the footage from it and there was that guy, it was a scrappy out there to bash each other affair mm. and it was just it was a grind I thought the same thing it felt very early 1960s but yeah. to, to like I think an important difference is yes it was aggressive and it was over the top and the players did go too far but at least it was face to face aggression it still wasn't Melbourne Storm era, I'm going to break your leg while you're looking the other way, all this hip drop, that sort yeah. of shit. You weren't doing that. The, only, the, the worst thing that happened in that game was JWH slamming someone's head into the ground 
got away with it. No harm done, apparently. But anyway, um, and the, but that was the only thing that you'd call kind of a bit dirty. Everything else was at least I'm looking in your face as I hit you in the face. Like mm. it was at least honest aggression. This is an interesting moral code you have, yeah. Mario. So was, you don't mind if, for example, a stranger on the street gets a spanner and whacks you over the head, as long as they do it like to your face and sort of bid you farewell well, as they leave. it's the difference between someone punching you in the face in a fight and a coward punch. Mm. You, Th- can coward, you can difference. coward punch someone in the nose, I think. Because if you, you haven't entered into the rules of engagement if of the fight... If they're a blind man? Well, exactly. There's, there's a loophole for a start, Mario. All right? So let's really un, let's unpick this argument in front of us, shall we? I'm just looking for an excuse to say Rooster's Storm, they might... I mean, Rooster's South, it might have been bad, but it's still not the Storm. I'm just... I always yeah. have to bring it back to well, the Storm. Well, okay. Well, let's pick it up here, uh, Mario, because I know that you were explaining off-air just how uh, you know hard your penis was at the news of both the Storm and the Roosters exiting the competition. Obviously, that dis- displeased me but you're not a fan of either club um, as a person that doesn't have a club in the finals sorry I didn't mean to laugh as I said that I really didn't it just sort of came out um, how do you feel about those two teams which it's probably fair to say um, have dominated final series over the last decade are you feeling as though this is a fresh chapter in NRL and you want to see some other teams duke it out for a change very much so I mean out of the f- going into this round out of the five teams that, that- Sorry, the six teams, I don't count the Panthers. Out of the six teams that were left, I just was happy as long as the Panthers don't win. Mm. And I never had an issue with the Panthers really until last year after they won and their their fans have just gone completely feral. And they're they're trying to top the Sharks fans post-2016 for just how insane they are. But the difference is Panthers have this absolute sense of entitlement because they've kept winning. The Sharks did not. And so I just find myself hating the Panthers. There's, there's other reasons, and I've gone into it in other forums where there's lots of other reasons. You, you, you digital hussy. You kind of knew that the, the Sharks weren't going to sustain it. Like they, they, that, was, that was a lightning in a bottle moment where they just had everybody come together at the right time. Yeah. And, and their good. level of gronkishness yeah. was just intense, and it was impressive in hindsight. Mm. But yeah, and, and you know, I never felt bad about them for that. And with the Panthers, I think... It is different, though, because they have this incredibly rock-solid foundation. They have probably the strongest base of, of development of any, mm. of any other club in the game. You know, they, they have demographically the most fertile yeah. sort of ground as well. Like, I mean, you know, the rest of the competition, it's a little bit more challenging uh, developmentally, whereas that they, you know, that side of part of the city, yeah. that's where the rugby league players come from. Whereas the Sharks just have a, a particularly good competition running out of the Yarrawarra <laughs> chip shop, which isn't quite the same length and breadth See, of the I junior just, system. I find myself, I'll go for any team where Gus hasn't been involved because I hate him getting secondhand glory. <laughs> I don't want hit the Panthers winning and him saying, oh, this is because of me. Because he will. Because then if the Bulldogs win next, go well next year, he doesn't he's actually, taking the credit. He doesn't, he doesn't do it. So obviously he's very artful in the way he says, look, I've seen these young kids play and Jesus, you know, we did a good, yeah. you know, he, he, he takes credit in a very um, oblique kind of way. Oh, he's it? not as subtle as he thinks he is. That's the thing. He's not, he's, mm. he, he does it to sound subtle and it, and it works. It gets past the great unwashed fans. The great fans. Th- those that that's actually. A, that's our listeners. I think you're talking to as well. The <laughs> How great dare unwashed. you personally abuse them <laughs> no, like that? No, that's only Giannis. You know, he, he, he could Shout out Giannis. Oh, I know you're not here, Giannis, but it feels like it's been too long uh, <laughs> in between drinks. But um, no, that's, that's an interesting uh, thought process there. I know I've had quite a few beers, so if I just go completely off tether, I'm going to blame the alcohol. Which, should we tell the listeners where we were before we flicked on the sure. microphones? I mean, this is a wonky edition of the Voluntary Tackle. Let's be wonkier than normal. Uh, but we did have quite a few, uh, well, I had a few, quite a few refreshments um, at the pub before we came here. Unfortunately, the AFL was on, and we got a little bit sucked into that. Um, Speak for uh, yourself. Well, I did, yeah. I mean... You know, Mario was going on about his PBs in marathons and things like that. And I was just looking over his shoulder and I go, geez, that Swans game's getting pretty close. And uh, it ended up being a, been a point. Uh, but I think that just tells you the level of intoxication that I'm at because I actually found myself, I wouldn't say enjoying the game, but sort of at least paying attention to yes, AFL. Yes, but for context, it's very important to note that mm. the reason we were interested is even though at least you and I, Eamon, would you know say that we'd cheer the swans over other teams in theory but the pub where we were was filled with these suited let's say yahoos just to sound really old um and they were cheering the swans like they like they it was life and death like it was a real game of sport not you know that crap in a sydney pub being watched and 
they were so into it that I found myself wanting the Swans to lose just mm. to see their sadness on their faces. Yeah, no, I was disgusted. I know, do you feel the same, Xander? I actually felt a, a visceral disgust. I threw up in my mouth at times. Well, it was it was two things for me. I mean, they'd clearly come from the races, which also bothers me. Yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> so, yeah. That's fuck, right. ho- fuck horse racing. But that's because he got cheated out of the funds in a knackery one time. But it's not, <laughs> nothing to do with the ethical treatment of animals, but go on, Xander. No, it's more just I find horse racing incredibly boring. And I don't okay, well, there's the that too. Yeah, um, Occasionally a jockey will fall off and, and sustain fatal injuries. Then it's kind of exciting. But yeah, can't, we eat the, can't we eat the jockeys? And that? I know we can't eat the horses, but let's let's eat the jockeys. I think that's, I think where, meat on them. that's, that's where the equilibrium yeah. needs to be struck, I think. Um, you know, people have a bit of a problem with the animal welfare issues around racing. If we at least seen half and half, jockeys and horses, two factories to be made for things like dog food. Yeah, maybe the horses should be eating the jockeys when the jockeys fall off and die. Oh, yeah, that's probably... I, mean, I, can't, I can't see any problem. I'm sure that, you know, the cows of England wouldn't suggest there was anything wrong with that happening. Should I segue back to Phil Gould? Now, <laughs> I agree with you. He is somewhat of a demagogue, isn't he? And I th- I've noticed when I've observed his body language, fellas, that he does have a way about him that suggests he can never be wrong. It's this kind of unusual yeah. circular language um, that does get on my goat. And he'll take seven different angles and then just mm. crow about the one that happens to be right. Yeah, exactly. What do Have we got to the bottom of why he only uses singular with the mascots? I think it's just to annoy people. Okay, so. well, it's fucking yeah. worked. Okay, it's I, me. I, I have this theory that he basically started doing it just to save on characters on Twitter so he could you know, get a slightly longer tweet. Yeah. Um, but then people started commenting on it and he just thought it was funny <laughs> which to be honest I, off, look, I, 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 I respect yeah, that I respect him being a shit stirrer which he often is because yeah. you're one of the best Mario it's, it's frustrating because so much of what Gus does when he's on Twitter quite a lot of his content will be good and then it has come out with some stupid dinosaur crap like you know saying oh concussions aren't real basic like effectively he had that conversation the other day with um, Andrew Ferguson and he and he just ended up just abusing Andrew Ferguson who was being quite calm and reasonable much like is this bloody, on Twitter yeah, yeah much like bloody Brayton Astor with old mate Alan Rooster's fan the Who's other Andrew day Andrew Ferguson uh, from RL Project okay. you know the rugby league project that does yeah. all those stats yeah, yeah, yeah right. he's the he's the guy behind that and he's okay. also um, got a pod as well yeah, I, I don't okay. know does he still have a pod uh, I've been may. I've been out of that loop mm. for a while but um, I mean to be fair I like on, on the concussion issue I mean one of the things that he brings up I'm, I'm not familiar with his, his back and forth with Andrew Ferguson but um, one of the thing, things he, he often uh, says is that you know you're dealing with a lot of concussions that happen from players who are the tacklers, and that's actually true. Yeah, and that, that's you know that is one thing that nobody's been able to square that circle. Um, you know what what how do you how do you punish the players who are going into tackle? Like how do you how do you mitigate against that with a penalty? Uh, Victor Radley's tackle the other day. Yeah, you know, and like I well, mean, I think it's penalty enough when you spasm. But you know what I mean. I mean, if if they're encouraging players, and this is this is the point that he made, is that, you know, like a, a copybook tackle is really sort of meant to go, you know, sort of the middle of the chest and drive yep. upwards, and then if that goes wrong, then you can kind of hit them in the jaw. But um, you know, if you go around the waist and you get it wrong, then yeah. it's the hip bone to your head and you're out. Yeah, exactly. There's and, no and, second And it's a game where sidestepping is yeah. such an important thing. And if you have to lower your head, you're lowering your mm. range of vision. You can't react to that sidestep and then your head is just mm. a target so you if you're if you're removing if you're punishing head highs to the point where you you know over incentivize just waist tackles then you're going to just see a like statistically you're likely to have a higher number of hip tackles and uh, the worry is that maybe they're worse yeah well there's a couple of things happening right so there's the uh and i think phil gould's right on this and that some agency and responsibility needs to be actually borne by uh, the ball carrier and the way they're training ball carriers, i.e. backing mm. into the defence to drive through yeah. the line, which is an effective way to do it, which puts you in crusher positions and things like that. But the other part is also three men in the tackle. Then this is a bit of an elephant in the room, but I think a lot of that head placement error that mm. you're talking about around the hip region is complicated quite a lot by three men coming in. They're, they're trying to fit in this very small margin of error at high speed Right, mm. with then pot, usually they're they're kind of simultaneously coming in as the third guy, right? That that margin of error being so small, of course, that's going to go wrong mm. from time and to time. They're large humans. They're large humans, yeah. and the hip bone takes no prisoners, right? Yeah. Mm. We've also we've watched it, enough footy to know that if you if you've connected with the hip bone, that's in the category one, you're gone. Yeah. Like yeah. we all know, that. you might get away with it with a with an elbow. You might get away with it a knee or an origin. You're an origin, <laughs> or origin, but you will not get away with yeah. it when it's a hip bone. You're gone. It's like a shoulder charge to the face, basically. Yeah, it's a like, fucking hard yeah. bone yeah. to the body. It's just physics, right? Mm. And often when they're coming in, they're in a crouched position, mm. and it's hitting them around the temple. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, you're, you're gone ski. I mean, right now, feeling my hip bone versus feeling my shoulder blade, and the hip's harder. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely yeah. as simple is. as that. It's, yeah. it's it kind of needs to harder. be. Yeah. It's doing yeah. a hell of a lot of work. Of down course, there. it is. Um, so potentially, if you're talking about how to manage this issue, it's more like the elbow. <laughs> Maybe, and I want to throw it out to the table. I feel like this is old times. Um, how do we feel about the idea of not having three men in the tackle at all? Or how just, do you enforce yeah, that? You, I mean, because if it gets to the try line and they're still driving with two, do you say, no, you can't have a third man in? Very interesting question. But yeah. we, we, I mean, a similar scenario has already eventuated with no shoulder charge. And yet, what do you do when it's one on one? The only way to stop him is to sometimes throw your shoulder into and it, they get, which they do. And they never get charged for that one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> big shout out to Billy Slater in uh, 2018. Well, so Big, big 20... shout out to Jordan Rupp on every tackle in the corner. <laughs> Pretty much. So potentially it could be a case of that where, for the most part, players don't do it until it's in that try-scoring situation and then they jump in. Maybe that's still yeah, mitigation of a sort. I reckon it's hard. I reckon, mm. I reckon you know, saying, trying to limit the number... Of, and, you know, to be honest, um, there is a... You, there are some incredible tries where players will beat, you know, or run, walk through. I mean, the, the Fafita twenty sixteen yeah. grand final. Even the the um, the uh, Canberra Melbourne game, um, the first week of the Tappanay. finals. Tapene, yeah, Tappanay. Oh yeah, ran yeah. through four guys. They were all hanging off him as he smashed over the try line. Just yeah. like great try. You know, I mean, those are entertaining to watch. So I don't know yeah. if I want to. You know, I, I I think it's it's a very hard area to police, and I think you, you get into this area where if you try and and this is you know. Um, I think where where rugby has killed itself is they've tried to have. Ah, oh, there's everything. our first one. It took a long time. <laughs> ding ding. Hold on, wait a second. I'm just checking the time here. Yeah, 13. Minutes. Well oh, done. I Zander. didn't have the bell ready. Damn no, 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 no. I was hoping but, for one of those dancing fish. You know, I mean, we're talking about over officiating, and and rugby is a great example of it. It's yep. basically the sport that that outside of the NFL has mastered creating rules for everything mm-hmm. and and an excuse to penalise anything. Famously, there's four bureaucrats for every player. It's. I mean, like I've I banged on about this, but the game has turned into one long committee between officials. Yeah, which I've always know. found the game of rugby union to be like that. Um, to be a slightly more high octane version I mean, of a council meeting. People complain about NBA being like that with the di- amount oh, the of challenges. Yeah, yeah, the timeouts yeah. and challenges. But mind you, they've just changed the rules so that that's um, minimising. I'd di- like them to go to FIBA. But anyway, sorry, sorry, let's not talk about NBA. Yeah, mate, sorry. we've already got one digression yeah. into rugby sorry. and you're taking that to fucking yep, NBA. I, take, I stop. The, the difference <laughs> is that those are timeouts and they, the, the, what happens What happens in Union where they've created rules for everything and the, the ability for the their TMO to, to interfere is you basically have referees sitting there disagreeing with each other, trying to work out which penalty over, overrules which, and it just becomes like a Because farce. every country has different... Yeah. Deci- like, every but, ref has different rules, and every country, they think about it differently. That is the problem, though, is, is you end up, and, you know, this is this gets back to Phil Gould and what he's always harping on about, and this is what he's All right. roads lead back to Gus. But this is what he's right about, is that you, if you end up in a situation where you're, you're trying to correct for everything, and basically they, you know the coaches will adapt to every rule change you make and there will always be some unintended consequence and you then need to correct for again. And what you end up with is an increasing number of rules um, that create an increasing number of excuses to penalise and just end up turning the game in it into something that you never really wanted it to be to begin with just because mm. you're trying to sol- solve a very simple problem at the start. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you do, uh, long story short, we should be very careful about trying to solve one problem potentially creating a whole bunch more. Well, yeah, the, the old-fashioned <coughs> ripple effect, right? And I mean, I, I think, you know, for a lot of the purists, that's probably already happened to a certain degree. Uh, but most, for the most part, they're probably wrong. Because if you think about the game... It's before our time. Uh, maybe not you, Murray. I'm not sure. But the 1970s, you know. Before you can, my time. Yeah, before your time, just <laughs> to clarify. Um, you know, if you look at the footage of that game, it is it is so disparate mm. to the game that we watch now. Yeah. It is It actually is just a series of assaults that happen on the weekend, yeah. right? It, that, it doesn't seem enjoyable to watch if you go back and watch those, yeah, in we, my opinion. I mean, in, exactly. kicking jewels back then. <laughs> oh, but Latrell tried to bring them back and it was so good. And I'm so sad that it was such a shit kick that he really executed so poorly. I was so happy when he did it. I go, we've got great field position. This yeah. is amazing. We're like, playing the ball on the 40. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the idea, so it was a pre-planned thing. Hmm. It was a pre-planned thing that Latrell did. You know that? Did. Yes. Yeah. I, I assumed I, it was. I've been told that, I've been told some people that. Who's your pre- deep throat? Uh, no, no comments. Okay. Uh, but, it's George Piggins. But, but it wasn't on. supposed to be Latrell doing the kicking and that, the circumstance wasn't on for him to do it then because mm. there wasn't the space to kick it into and then he did a shit kick as well. You think of it as a strategy, quite often the per- they kick it, everyone runs forward. That was just because a rooster was kind of being lazy and stayed back 
that he happened to be right there. As a strategy, they've... If you find turf, is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah you yeah. find turf and turn them around and get it back to their 20 or even their 10. Totally, totally. My God, what a strategy. Yeah, and you've but you've got to have the boot to do it yeah. and you've also got to pick your time. Yeah, see, if, if Matt Burton does it at the right time, yeah. it's going to work. Cleary, DCE, the guys who've got mm. the big boots. Latrell has got a boot, he just didn't execute it. Yeah, exactly. St- Storm have done this in, in a few big games where they when they had out of car. Yeah, like kick on the second and third, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, kick on the second and third it. and then out of cars just like... Burns everybody. Oh, Manly did it last year with Jason Saba a couple of times as well, and it worked when he, you know, wasn't just dropping everything by being near the ball; he could somehow drop it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on to Manly in a second, oh, but um, look, while we're um, while we're talking about Latrell, I'll start with you, Xander. Here, um, you know, I, I have mixed feelings towards Latrell, and I think a lot of Roosters mm. players do. As someone that won a couple of rings with us and fans, yeah. and fans, um, you know, but. You know, to see him bask in the glory, how did that make you feel? You probably left the stadium. You went to the stadium and watched yeah. that game. I assume you trundled out with the rest of the Roosters fans and didn't stick around to watch, you know, South fans bask in that, that <laughs> no, assault. No, I did, I did not. Funnily, funny that. Um, but, you know, very famous uh, footage has emerged yeah. after the fact where, he, you know, his image popped up on the big screen and, and apparently it was a roar that you can't describe unless you were there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those moments, I, I am so split on that because I'm so... Uh, feeling so burnt by the game, yeah. but I'm so weirdly happy for him. And, yeah, and, look, and to have, for a player to have a moment like that is so rare, I can't take that off him, personally. It's like, it's like Beaver in the 08 Grand Final when he scored that try. It's probably sim- the, the raw he got it for 80,000 people. Similar. So, sorry, continue. That's just... okay. <laughs> no, look, no I mean, not really, but... <laughs> it's, uh, it, like, well, obviously, as a Roosters fan, we have very mixed feelings about Trell because of what happened to Manu and all the rest of it. But yeah. I still have a soft spot for Trell. I mean, you get, you know... Uh, all the stuff about him being booed and the sideshow that, you know, that aside. I mean, you uh, don't win 2019 if he's not there. Yeah, 100% we don't. I mean, you know, that he's he's pretty critical in that final try. Without it, mm. without him, we yeah. don't win it. And I, I do maintain, I remember when, when he left, I thought, geez, this feels like a mistake to let him go. Um, you but, know. you know, to, to let him go is kind of a loaded statement, right? Because well, you look at what South have had to give up to keep him. Yeah. They've and had I, to give I, up And we halfback. wanted to keep him. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, was, it was an ongoing negotiation and it seemed to fall apart now mm. behind closed doors. I don't exactly know over what particular issue. Mm. But what I do know is very clearly uh, he had a, a, an extra passion to play for the South Sydney Strip because of his dad. Now, he plays like that. Like, if yeah. you ask me, he plays with more passion for South than he ever did for us. And he was great for us. But he's, there's something extra in that jersey for Latrell Mitchell. It's, I it think means a lot something of it, more. It's something deeply of, emotional. Yeah, I, think. I think a lot of it is the fact that he, how much he values being Indigenous yep. and how South is clearly for a long, long time have been the club that have probably placed the most value towards Indigenous players. For good reason. I yeah, mean, yeah, when your cultural course. home is Redfern, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And, but I, so I think that has meant a lot to a lot of Indigenous players and yeah. Latrell probably connects more closely with that heritage than than a lot of players yeah. have, at least he appears to on the outside. I, I don't want to undermine other players and their connection, but he certainly displays it more openly. And I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of why you'd want to go there. And we're, you, know, you don't want to go to teams like Manly who just don't have any Indigenous players. We got rid of Cage House and now we have none. <laughs> to, to be fair, mate, the only time you did it, he stabbed someone. Um, <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> it was Manor's irony. It didn't come across like that. <laughs> just just came, came across as fairly malicious. <laughs> <laughs> we were both like, whoa. <laughs> no, it was, you had, but you've got plenty of players of colour, right, at Manly? Well, this is the thing, though. I mean, like the, the NRL famously is a very multicultural game. I mean, yeah. we were talking about this before. Can you can you bring up for the pod yeah. your conversation? Uh, you were reacting on Twitter to Andrew Webster's article. Yeah, I think it's I think it's different. He's, you know, he had this article, you know, is this is this the NRL's Adam Goods moment? I said, well, no, it's not. I mean, there might be, you know, the odd, there might be some, you know, bigoted, idiotic fans who, who jump on this, but the NRL is a, is a very multicultural game. 13% of it is Indigenous, 39% of it is Polynesian. Mm. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a racist who doesn't like brown people and you watch the NRL... Don't say that word, though. You're, you're on the wrong sport. You're in the wrong sport, right? Yeah, you're, Thank you. You, you, are, you, are, you are off your head. Um, yeah. it, is a, it is a game, you know, that, that really... And there's been a lot of players who are very celebrated with their Indigenous history. We're the first sport to have had an Indigenous captain for yeah. our national team. Big, big Artie. Yeah. You know, great rooster. Yeah. Um, oh, just a great man. <laughs> and then Mal was another. Was yeah. Loz ever? 
captain? Uh, I think he, yeah, I think he yeah. captained the Kangaroos. Yeah. Definitely so captain New South Wales. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, no, I mean, long story short, there's so much to be proud of there. Exactly, there's a strong heritage there, and and the game is celebrated in Indigenous stars. You know, you have the Indigenous All Stars as a concept. It's mm. not something that you know um, they really have in in other sports in the country. Well, AFL would be too scared of that concept they for it to get would, off the ground. They probably God. would be yeah. right. Um, Can't do an indigenous <laughs> dance in AFL without the crowd getting on edge. Yeah. Well, what's happening? Are they going to attack us? <laughs> exactly. And it, but it's, it's something that, you know, the, the game has famously been fine with. So I don't think it's about, like, I honestly think this is, this is very much, um, you know, down to the fact that the Roosters and Souths, we really genu- <laughs> genu- we genuinely dislike each other. It, yeah. is, it is not for show. It is yeah. very deep. And run. you know what? I, you know, here's the thing on the yeah. whole, the booing thing. And I, I felt like it undermined. Mm this historical hatred that the clubs have, a, yeah. have for each other for good reason. And yeah. there's lots of reasons we won't go into it on the pod. But it is also good for the game, I think, oh, yeah. to have yeah. these kind of conflicts that happen it's, between it's why, clubs. It's why you had like 40,000 people two weeks in a row yeah. for the same game. I, I love about South and Roosters, I do love the way the players seem to almost universally buy into the hatred. Oh, people yeah. who are bought from other clubs yeah. Yeah. know history, but... It's so pervasive within the club. And it's similar. Manly Storm have almost become that, but there's still a, certainly a step down. There's, there's definitely just not the same hatred. When Roosters play South, it's just always a war. And it's the reason why, you know, and it's what happened when we went to play them in the final round. I'm like, geez, I, I really wish we just kept their powder dry and, and played a little bit ducks and drags, but they, the mm. teams would not have it. They well, would not go half cocked. This is my game. theory about it, right? And <clears throat> I think before the last couple of years, you could probably say the argument was South brought more emotion to the table yeah. and we tried to play more footy. But I will say in the last couple of years, I think it's the Roosters that have let emotion get to their mm. heads. And we've actually played really, really dumb footy at critical times. Yeah, and I think you yeah, could no, say that in the last game as well. And I find that really interesting because, you know, that seems to be a pivot moment. Like, mm. I, I, don't, I can't really put a finger on why that You're is. You're suggesting that Robbo's lost the dressing room? Okay. <laughs> he, he, well, he, he can come to Manly. This is interesting, right? Because I think uh, the first game we played, played against South of Latrell for the very first time, this was sort of a new chapter in this book of feuds, yeah. right? Because this is a play that we loved. That you know, you know, if you're going to re- read into the narrative, turned their back on our club and went to another club, and you know this this sort of heightened the tension between the two clubs. And that first game, I got the sense that uh, Robbo probably did put too much of an emphasis on the passion mm. because we started doing stuff in that game that I'd never seen before. We were, you know, um, like biffs from the scrums, mm. like sort of over-the-top dirty tactics. And I go, that's not, outside of Hargraves, it's not something that we're known for. And I thought, I think the Latrell Mitchell himself actually represents a new chapter in the story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and since he's gone there, yeah. and full credit to him, he's leveraging something there, they've been on top of us. And I think we've played dumber football and they've played smarter football. And I feel like that is an inverse of when we used to take them on before Latrell went there. That's just my take on it. But... You so know, what you're saying is Latrell is actually smarter than the entire Roosters organisation. Look, I, I'm okay with this. Well, you know what? In the in the final round, you know, <laughs> Xander and I were there. Thanks again for the ticket, mate. That was a great game to go to. The, the opening of the, the brand new spanking stadium. And I think that there was more foxing going on from South in that game, yeah. particularly yeah. from Latrell. I yeah. think he was keeping his powder dry. On TV, it looked and like he was that. And he was prepared to get hammered for it because he knew... It was pretty much superfluous, and next week counted. It, and he brought his A game, and I, I have to give him full credit. It's for that. funny though, because I mean, the the funny, we were better at this before. You're right. I mean, the 2019 uh, final round, we played South, and then they beat us, and then we played them in the first week of the finals, and we mm. we pulled their pounds down by 30 points. Happier times, weren't right? They? Um, and you know, Luke Curie had a blinder, and it, it, it's interesting. This happened a few times. We've played each other in the final round. I think it's across the, t- the board teams who play each other in the final round and then play. Always, they reverses. always, always lose. Manly Penrith, 2017. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, and uh, the the old adage that you learn more when you lose. Um, mm. I think is is quite true, and it probably didn't help that Manu went down because I do think that Manu in particular, <laughs> probably, <laughs> Manu in particular, yeah, he he was out to settle scores scores with, with literally and you breaking sit. news: Teddy and Manu important to the Roosters. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know, but he was exceptional in <laughs> that yeah, last game so, of the competition. So Ma- Manu, Manu, and he out, went after Latrell. It should be yeah, noted. He was out to he was out to make a point, and he made it. Like every every yep. time, like there was a few times when Trill would do his thing where he'd bounce off players, and he looked like he was going to make a break. As soon as he got an inch of space, Manu was out to smash him. Grabbed him by the scruff. Yeah, yeah. and and it was it was as a Roosters fan, it was that was great fucking sport to watch yeah. because it was those two who were who were great mm. mates. You know, one plays for the uh, the you know the uh, 
uh, New Zealand Maori side when they have the Indigenous All Stars game and the yep. other place for the you know Indigenous All Stars as well. So they play on the opposite sides of that as well. But they also won two premierships together. Mm. It's it's a great you know rivalry uh, between those two guys. I enjoyed it just as much as you at the game, but. For the record, you shouldn't have taken your pants off like that. I know you were enjoying it, and, and I don't know, everyone around seemed to enjoy it, but I, I wasn't a fan. As someone who's not a supporter, Mario, of uh, either the Roosters or Sows, I'm interested to get an outsider's perspective here. And I don't just mean outside of the eight. Uh, I, mean, sorry, mate. I mean, outsiders of this book of feuds, do you, when you're watching this game, you, do you get buy-in? Like as a neutral fan, or do you just is uh, this purely manufactured by South and Roosters fans for you? No, I don't think it's manufactured. I, if the game is intense, I get I buy into the intensity of a game, mm. and any game will do that to me. If you can feel the intensity, if you can feel the the you know the P A double S, however you, the wrong way to spell passion. S H U. Trying to spell no, pain house. Yeah, no, the P A S H U N. You know when when they really yeah. when they get really into it you yeah. get dragged in south yeah. roosters drags me in dragons sharks tends to drag me in a bit mm. cowboys broncos back from 2015 I was about, about to say 2017 that, that, there was really a period there where those games were just every game best. was one point every yeah. game and it, i remember trent slats saying um one time how he just always bet on full-time draw and he mm. made so much money in that period this because Brisbane cowboys yeah 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 i I'd say that in the time that I've watched rugby league, that three or four year period of where it was, was the most consistent standard of AAA like rugby league that I've oh, seen. Oh yeah. yeah. Or was it 2018 when you got when the Broncos beat you guys, Jimmy Jet, Jimmy the Jet versus Latrell oh, yeah. that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw that Jimmy the Jet try um, uh, today. I saw it on Twitter, and I was like, oh my god, I love that try so much. Yeah. But I remember him and Latrell just going up against each other. But that was also the game when Napa. Did the whole leading with the head thing, <laughs> and it was, and that was also the try when Asako cemented my place on Asako Island forever with that last minute try. I to know, win the but game. he didn't do much since then. Not did a he? lot. That was the issue, but it was an amazing. It was, individual it was like effort. Michael Cheekham when he won those two games in a row for the Tigers, <laughs> and there's right. done nothing Cheekham since then. Needed to retire then, hundred percent, and then just lean on that. It would have been, been the new Paul Osborne, hundred percent, or um, what's the guy Steve Jackson for Canberra yeah, in extra time yeah. in '89, like just. Super memorable moments, yeah. and you have those, and then unfortunately, the rest of your career is just nothing. It's sad. Yeah. But obviously, there are you know people, players that exist on the other side of that line, like Paul Carriage in '98. <laughs> if anyone's familiar with the uh, Canterbury Parramatta game in '98, yeah. I believe it was a prelim. Or Wonga Blake against the Panthers last week. Oh yeah, that I mean, was that, horrendous. If, Although if, he came back to form last week. If the, it, but if the Eels had lost this week, that yeah. that performance would have been talked about for a long time. The fact that they've made it through. Yeah. Now, mind you, the Eels' last three finals wins spread out over a long time have been against eighth, seventh, and eighth. So. Yeah. But they ha but the, you know this is the thing, and no one can deny it. They do generally outside of last week can play fairly well against the yeah, Panthers. And, and the I, supposedly unbeatable team of the last But they need years. to prove it against the Cows. They need to beat a team uh, uh, in the top four when it counts because they had just have never done it under Brad I Arthur. think they will too because also the Cowboys can't play in Sydney, it seems. They lost to us. They lost to South. It's up in Townsville. It's in Townsville. Oh, it's in Townsville. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose it would be because they won. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, geez. Actually, the, yeah. Yeah, that makes Parra, it very Parra interesting. Could, yeah, it does. Parra it might level it a little there. bit. It might yeah. level it a little bit, but I, oh, I think Parramatta are a better team. Well, and there was talk of... Um, Oh, there was an uh, a, an eels injury. There was talk of. Um, was that uh, Mitchell Moses' ego? Because apparently, <laughs> copped a little bit of a bruise, but it's so like you know roided that um, you'd have well, to kind of decapitate. I it saw to get some rid of it. Are we talking about bronze and cherry. Or? <laughs> <laughs> I saw some absolute munter on Twitter today suggesting. Can you sorry, oh, Dan, Can you take a note of the word munter? I want to use that more actually, in future conversation. It was Braden, and I don't, I don't hate Braden like some people do. Who's Braden? It, a Cowboys fan. Okay. But he suggested... Don't in, reference people that I don't know. He's, he like suggested in them. all seriousness that the Eels, instead of... Oh, Opacek being injured, I think it was. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So he's instead injured. of bringing in like Bailey Simonson or someone, that he suggested they should move Dylan Brown to centre mm. and have Jacob Arthur at 5'8". Well, I hope you unfriended him. Ah, uh, like He's obviously having a series of mini strokes. I think he has to have. Yeah. Dylan no one Brown would ever at, suggest that. Dylan Brown at centre was a thing that Brad Arthur tried. It and was it, stupid. It we failed. all knew it was stupid. <laughs> and it failed horribly. Yeah. Dylan well, Brown... Can I, can I one-up you there, Mario? Because under the uh, the great stewardship of Brad Fittler, uh, when th the wheels were coming off 
in 2009, he experimented with putting Braith and Astor at fullback. Do you remember this, Andrew? <laughs> this was amazing. So he was I the only guy I that looked out of my mind. Was it last year that Granville played fullback for the Cowboys? Oh, yeah, they did put him there a little bit. Yeah. That makes a bit more sense, though. Even though he's in his twilight of his career, he still has more pace than Braith did. Like in fullback, you need to have some pace. Well, Braith's quick at attacking old people from Twitter via his Instagram. <laughs> Can you get the get the listeners? Like Mario was giving me a bit of a roundup because I haven't been on Twitter and, and, and any of the socials for quite a while. But apparently there was a lot going on here between Braith and Asta and uh, some of the critiques Alan, that were made. Alan, Alan Katzman? Katzman, yeah. yeah. I've, uh, I've caught some of his tweets. He yeah. seems to be a... Oh, he has impeccable grammar. I'll give him that. He and does. they're quite lengthy tweets. And they're normally, for anyone that is unfamiliar with these tweets, um, usually highlight something out of history. Like you might go, yeah, and there's this usually is the 29th game that, you know, two well, wingers of the Roosters uh, have scored. On Braith, you know, Braith was on Fox on a, one of the panel shows. I don't watch them, so yep. go away. But Stealing Vonnie's jobs, go on. Yep, exactly. And he was... Him and the other panellists were laughing at, I believe, Jamaica, one of the teams, but in theory, just the lesser teams from the upcoming World Cup. And Alan took to Twitter to quote tweet the Foxtel you know, thing talking about that and said, this is absolutely classless. And he very politely but firmly just put them in their place saying, yep. you guys are the host broadcaster for this competition. You should yep. be talking it up, not, make, not mocking mm. the teams. And Braith... Very quickly, even though apparently he doesn't have Twitter, then um, highlighted this tweet on his Instagram with all sorts of like rude and abusive um, really? text all over the top, including uh, a vague threat of violence was in there as well. Like, what? oh, the guy, the guy needs a good uppercut or something like oh, that. Well, well, that could be it a, was, a, yeah, it's an Australiana expression. It was, but at the same time, this is an old bloke and this yeah. is some knob on yeah. On Instagram, taking pot I, shots. I hear you. I hear and, you. But, and so but Alan, that, I then, mean, that is not a literal expression. Yeah, I mean, Alan then responded again, relatively polite, quite politely to that, and Braith yeah. again went on the attack. Yeah. And then there was um, sc screenshots of a DM of a Instagram DM from somebody I don't know who uh, berating Braith for that, and Braith just saying, "Oh, you know, just basically saying, oh, he can suck it. He, you know, he should he should come and say it to my face, that sort of thing." He's an yeah. old man, though, right? Like, yeah. yeah. But but this, this is for why what, the, the for what reason the the shit Braith says account on Twitter is so <laughs> yeah, funny. Exactly. Yeah. Because oh my god, just just the absolute. I hear that upsets him upsets him a lot as well. By all accounts, yeah. Look, we've like you know, give you some off the record um, screenshots there as well. So something he was not were, a fan of that account. Something you guys were talking about um, off the air was about Souths and how proud they are of how many titles they've got. What was it you said, Xander? Oh yeah, they're they're, they're always talking about their their twenty one titles. And Jeez, Mario loves to rake up an old grave, doesn't he? <laughs> yes. He's trying. You know what he's trying to do, Xander? He's trying to stoke us into hatred. And it's worked. Well, I mean, Fuck we did talk South. about South a lot, but, you know, in, in defense of your hatred of South, I think we could call them the Margaret Court of Rugby League. Oh, how so? <laughs> well, they're really good at, you know, talking about titles. I think we should just leave it there, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... I don't Pack think of it, homophobes. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with Margaret Court of Rugby League. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I think if anyone wants to ask me on Twitter, I'm happy to justify it, but let's leave it there. No, no, I... <laughs> no, I, I, I want to hear the reasoning, yeah. mate, but please go into it. I think I understand where you're going with this. Well, yeah. I mean, they, Margaret Court was winning titles against ping pong champions mm. and so calling them Grand Slams. Are, are People, you, no one from outside Australia could attend some of these Grand Slams. No professionals could play the games. She's getting walk-up starts. But she still kicked their ass, mate. But, but she's getting walk-over starts like buyers to get through to the second and third round. So it's basically like South winning 20, uh, 1912 mm. against Balmain by saying we won't turn up either and then just turning up. So you, are you, what you're saying effectively is that perhaps a um, grand final between Manly and say the Storm is, is probably a harder thing to win than South beating Glebe or Sydney University in 1916. Yeah, I mean, I would think so. When there's only what eight teams in the competition. <laughs> Do you reckon you... the majority of our listeners would be aware of the forfeit incident? <laughs> Who wants to furnish the room? Surely, that most one? people would be at this stage. Yeah. I feel like that's it's common enough knowledge. But I hope so because we are a niche podcast. I think South, we attract hard heads. I think here. with your South's hatred, you guys should be the ones to maybe. Well, look, talk I don't. I don't it. want to go right into this, but it's still a premiership that counts against to their name. Uh, where essentially they convinced the opposition, which I believe was the Bowmain Tigers at the time, to not turn up, and then they just turned up and claimed victory. Am I right, Xander? Yeah, more or less. I mean, the, the, so it was effectively a labour dispute where they were. There was an agreement for. It's always to, a labour yeah. dispute. There was a gr an Bloody agreement. Lefties. 
an agreement between the organisers at the time. I think it was to play an undercard game against uh, for the the grand final, of the New South Wales Rugby League, to play as an undercard to a Wallabies v. I think it was a Wallabies v. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but there was a, a Jamaica a, a, a promotional game the Wallabies were going to play. Right. And um, anyway, they were going to they were going to try and make some money by making an under undercard thing. And so, Balmain so what are they? Did they they go? All right, let's go to the Tigers. I assume yeah. this is a sort yeah. of a conspiratorial. They're hatching well, a plan. It, they go to the Tigers and go, look, mate, no so, one's turning up to this thing. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about it because you know there's going to be an undercard. There, and, there, um, there's, you know, there's, we'll, we'll go for we'll go to the pub and have a piss up later. Um, but for now, just you know, keep your powder dry. So it was, fine. it was meant to be, you know, they're both going to boycott it out of protest that they weren't weren't yeah. going to be doing it. Was, you know, and then they just fucking turned up. They, they turned up and kicked off to nobody and claimed the grand final. See, yeah. I will say in defence <laughs> you know of South there though yeah. that. It is the most Balmain or the most Tigers way to lose a grand final ever. <laughs> you know, that should be like Tigers S whatever it was nineteen was it twenty something nineteen oh, or was it the first the first yeah, one? They were, so they were a fan. The, the, the was it the very first oh, game? No, 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 it was nineteen twelve. Nineteen twelve. I thought yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say S nineteen twelve always fucking getting rorted. Yeah. You know yeah. because because Balmain were established. Mate, you just want to dump your dump your microphone there. Yeah. No, Balmain were a foundation club. They were established in nineteen oh eight. Yeah, totally. But I mean, that, that, if you're going to start the momentum for where they got the thin end of the wedge, uh, yeah, that, might be, right that might nice be a good year. Yeah. Mind you, that, that was a dominant period for Balmain. They won, you know, they won trebles. Fucking of course you know that, Xander. <laughs> they, you know. Indeed, it's interesting. Okay. Well, I can tell you this. It was, <laughs> it was a Hasip shot put. <laughs> who was uh, excellent in the high jump in the yeah. 1912 Stockholm Games. Uh, another interesting fact that back then, the biggest sport was rowing in Sydney. <laughs> You've done a bit of rowing, haven't you, Xander? Yeah. You got into that for a bit. A little bit. You're a bit of a journeyman when it comes to sport, aren't you, mate? You're... Yeah, not, not particularly good at anything. Was, was but it about, had a crack but at you go, you go in hard, I'll give you this. So, you know, for about a year, you go, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just, you know, running, you know, ridiculous lengths of... Of kilometers, and then you go. Oh, I'm just swimming from the heads to heads at Coogee, and then I'm, you know, I'm just rowing down the fucking Parramatta River for a year. I mean, it's not what most people do. You know, most people are lazy and they're out of shape. For example, I like mean, myself. Yeah, look in the mirror when you say. That. <laughs> don't, don't worry, I was getting to the jive very quickly. And uh, but but yourself, you seem to throw yourself into something for a year, and then you go. You know what I'm going to do next? I'm going to climb Centre Point. Um, from like, the outside. From the outside, yeah. obviously. No, I prefer the lift to be honest. It's, it's way more awkward on the inside because uh, you know people get in the lift. That's, that's just the food at Sky Tower. Um, but I've never got the revolving restaurant appeal. I don't know if you guys have ever gone up there. I, you have. Uh, I've taken, yeah. taken clients there. It's not. not it's great, not that you know. great, is it? Yeah. Like the only thing that would be good is if the they actually is, the ramped up awful. the speed and it was a bit more like a gravitron. The gravitron. Yeah. Exactly. Yes! And exactly. and food you was sticking on, to the wall. You could walk on the on the glass basically at that. That point. would be amazing. And imagine walking on the glass as you're looking out over yeah. you know hundreds of meters down at all the ants mm. below and you're suspended in the air. That would be quite an experience. I'm but up for I'll, that. I'll say this. The moment there was a mechanical issue, <laughs> then it's a fucking disaster. Oh, isn't it? Because probably put a damper on the meal, I imagine. But when when is a theme park gonna actually come to the party and create a, an elevated gravitron up in you know a hundred meters up in the sky? Won't they ever take any risks, Mario? Far Why out, won't Dream they? World step your game up? Think of the kids, you cunts. Um, so that's weird, bit of an overstatement. Um, okay, in terms of the finals, there's a game on now that we're about to watch. I want to get some predictions here. Now, obviously, we've got the Vermin playing Sharks. Um, you know, if we were going to just base this prediction purely on mascots, you'd imagine that a bunny would have, you know, very little to say to the, the mouth of a great white, for example. Except we're playing on the land, not in the water. Ah, so is, the Sharks may asphyxiate this game. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's, that's your literal the interpretation. Might, might breed inside of them and just burst them from the inside out. Yeah, well, yeah. these are interesting predictions. But let's stick to the scores and the world of rugby league. We'll start with you, Mario. How's this game going to pan out? Um, sharks are going to lead at half time. I'm going to say 10-8, and then Souths are going to win in the uh, with a try two minutes out to win by four. Who's going to score it? AJ, of course. Fucking, you know, can I, let's go on to that, Johnson for a second. It's been a lot of wanking going on in the last couple of weeks for Alex Johnson. I'm okay. sorry, but consecutive years of 30 plus tries. I get it. That it there's got to be I've, some wanking. I've seen the stats, uh, but I'll say this, that, you know, with that side of South, that left side being so potent, how many tri- how many of those tries as a percentage do you think have been him just catching the ball and jogging leisurely over the line and putting the ball down? Now he is the the absolute beneficiary of this this amazing attack on the left side, but should we be lauding Alex Johnson because mate potentially 
you know, a, a cardboard cutout with a little bit of gusto might have okay. scored just as many tries. You say that, but they just had like one. Polo, apparently. It, yeah, well, if, but, yeah, but I mean, they had a cardboard cutout when they had Josh Mansour, and he did not score that many tries. No, but they got this. Is to be fair, they got the source well after his prime. Okay, the guy could barely move. I know, but the idea that any idiot could do what AJ yeah. does, the problem is they had they've had a couple of idiots there and they didn't do it. No, he's a fine finisher. I think that's. I think you, you can't un- undermine that. But I think it's. I think it's the truth is somewhere halfway between what you're both saying is that he's definitely been the beneficiary of a very slick of course line. he has um and you know he he's not a he's not a winger that creates incredible tries himself the way you know like yeah he's not going to beat too many people one-on-one yeah. no he's That's not, not doing what the he does semi yeah. sort of yeah exactly he's not going to assault someone in a fijian yeah. resort but he's, is what he's, you're saying. he's a good defender yeah. he's good at diffusing bombs mm. yeah. like he doesn't do the yardage as well as some wingers but yeah. if the rest of his game is pretty bloody good and he can consistently... Like, a lot of scoring 30 tries in a year is not fucking up. And the problem is, how many tries do most wingers just fuck up by just oh, yeah. getting something wrong? So is that why we're lauding a man, though? Because he doesn't fuck up? If, it, that, if that's the level, if everyone well, it else... it shouldn't be fu- the level. But if everyone you should else laud someone because they're really good at something. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I probably agree more with, with Eamon on this one. I think that, yeah, he's, he's been very... He's been a very reliable player. Yeah, safe pair of hands. He's very safe. But, you know, if you were to, if you were to say... In their prime, would you take him over um, their prime, Wendell Saylor or Lottie Takiri? I would no way. The, these are the type of questions that are probably go more to the heart of the point. So we'll go to yes. you again, Mark. Well, so uh, who would you choose in out of the, say those selections? So you got Lottie Takiri, Alex Johnson, Wendell Saylor, or Brett Morris, for example. Who are you going? Give Brett me Morris. give me a ranking. Well, Brett Morris is number one. Okay, um, good man. You can stay. Ruben Garrick's number two. He wasn't involved. <laughs> I'm, put, I'm putting him in there because no, I'm no, no, you, mean to, you seem to have misheard the question. I didn't say who was the best wakeboarder and fucking manly. Who was the best winger out of those four? At, By the way, Ruben Garrick, very good winger. Look, if I put, if I put, if you're putting on a game, you're probably picking Wendell or Lottie just to help you win that one game. But over a season, I'm taking Alex Johnson over both of them. Really? Yeah, That's intense. Yeah. Because Think about those, he's what be about the there. yardage game alone from he, those two guys? But okay, Wendell Kick returns. Wendell, Wendell wasn't much of a jumper. He was, like, you kicked to him, he wasn't doing a whole lot in the air. Lottie was. Uh, uh, mate, but they I, both did huge amounts of yardage uh, work. Okay, they were like extra forwards. I remember John Hopawati out jumping Wendell Saylor and running 80 metres to score. Like w- Wendell had a big weakness. Yeah, but he was running from the police at the time. You can't count that, all right? Because he had four or five warrants. Yeah, no, Do you remember I, that? Okay, but I, I, I'm, put, I'm putting Johnson cocaine. there because he's playing your 25 games of the season. He's not getting done for cocaine. Mm. He's not fucking off to play rugby. He's going to be there when you need him. Do you know why he's there. playing 25 consecutive games, though? Because his game is nowhere near as robust as the guys. Right. Okay. And he's not putting his be, body on the line. So the same can way. be said of Cam Smith. That's true. Would you take Cam Smith over almost any other hooker in history? Yes, you would, what? despite the fact that he didn't play tough. He didn't play the way oh, that... I don't know about not a, tough. So a, a he hooker was third is fu- man in every tackle. A hooker is way. fundamentally different to a winger. I think, like, I mean, because the, your your hooker in in the modern game is is almost an organizer. A winger is not that. You do need wingers yeah. to do the, more. The thing is, this is the thing where you have a you have a ghost of a point there in the sense that Cameron Smith was a genius at not putting his body on the line in the same way that say you'd contrast Alex Johnson with a Wendell Saylor. Mm. But he brought so many more aspects. He was, to he, his was game. he was a game manager. Alex Johnson he game managed is, exactly. Is he was not another managing half-back. the game. Well, I want to know. I don't know anything about Ken Irvine specifically. Is was he act? You hear about him as the guy who scored the tries. I know nothing about his game. No one talks about that. Alex Johnson, in a way, is the perfect person to take over from Ken Irvine because he's going to be remembered as the guy that scored yeah. all those tries. No one's going to talk yeah. about any individual aspects but yeah, of like, his game. You know, if, if you were to put... The, 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 the kind of question I have about him is if you were to put Alex Johnson in Wests, what is his try scoring strike rate going to look like? I, w- I think if you were to put Lottie Takiri you know, his, in his prime in almost any side, he's going to do damage. Yep, yeah, and you're probably right there. Yep. But are they are they winning any more games? I don't know. I think I mean you I don't think you can underestimate just how important it is to have giant bodies returning the ball. Like, you know, as Roosters fans would know, Daniel Tupo, it's people I think if you're not Roosters fans, you go, Yeah, he's a pretty good finisher and he's good in the air. But Roosters fans go, no, 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 it's his kick returns and his constant yardage. Well look yeah. as far Where he as makes a minimum of ten almost every run he makes. That's because he's giant and mm. robust. But okay, it's as something far that as, Alex Johnson would not. But as be far in. as Lottie Takiri goes, if you if you got a game in a in a shootout and you need your winger to score a hat trick, 
Lottie's not your guy. But if you if you're in a game never where scored it, a hat trick, if you're in a game where it's 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 really tight and close, Alex Johnson's probably not scoring a hat trick hat trick either. You know how many tries did he score in the grand final against Penrith? Okay, yep, and South didn't play that well that game. Yeah. It's just how, how it like is. In, in an arm wrestle, is he that effective? Yeah, maybe not. I don't, maybe I don't not. know if he is. But the thing is, he's effective in the system that he's in. Yeah. He's, so whether yeah. or not he'd be great for a different so, yeah. team almost doesn't matter because of how great he's been for that team. Yeah, I, I, my, my theory about him is he's, he's always been a bit of a flat-track bully. If the, the, if the side's on the back foot, he just, he just is invisible utterly. Mm. Look, to me, he's, a, he's almost like a, a tradesman, right? Like he... Is so good at being in that right place at the right time for that system. Like he's a, he's a, he doesn't tend to fuck that up very often. He's got a very high percentage of being, you know, this play that you know is it's almost a replication. But they're very very good at it when they come to that left side. And for that, I commend him. Like and and of course he's getting he's reaping the benefits right. Like in, in statistically. Um, but yeah, you won't convince me that well, you know he's someone the- that I'd take above uh, more than just the four we've mentioned. I think mm. to I- me he's actually a mid ranger. That's fine. And I just want to look at the game last night. So something that Alex Johnston does spot on is he positions himself exactly where he should be. Yep. And how many wingers how many wingers get that wrong and fuck up tries? Yep. Just last night, Gutho in support of Dylan Brown. Canberra had that, a shocker. The, mm. that, that amazing Dylan Brown run he's done. And Gutho, your job is to run behind the guy with the ball. It wasn't Gutho, forward though. Yes, it was. I don't reckon it was the forward. Pass, the pass was forward. It was no try. It was flat as attack. Gutho was standing literally side by side in line with him. They're running at full speed. It's impossible to pass the ball backwards. But to the a player float, but the float, that's why the floating forward rule exists yeah, because of exactly. physics. But I don't care. You, to you, went, have, no, to, you have to went, care about no, physics, no, it Mario. It went in front of him. It had to go forward. It had to be. But was, I don't think was he was it, in was front it, of him. Was it backwards out of the hands? I don't think so. To me, it didn't look get bogged down here. But to me, as he passed it, I said this is going to be forward, but he'll get away with it. And the ref did the right thing and called it. As far as I'm concerned, you can disagree, and that's fine. Lads, this has been awesome, but we we probably need to watch some football. We're about to watch this footy game on delay. This has been amazing. Thank you very much, everyone at home. If you have listened, I don't know if you've answered. Subscribed. You probably have, and for good reason, because it's been many, many months since we've been here, and we apologise for that. Uh, it was all of Mario's fault. He just said, I'm not recording, um, and fuck you until you pay me. Uh, you, you should join the Republican, <laughs> Republican Party with that sort of vision. <laughs> all right. It? For the record, it was me, because I've had a child. <laughs> and uh, speaking of which, let's finish with a weird anecdote. So today, uh, it's nothing to do with football, so if you want to tune out now, please do so. Um, but uh, we took Charlie to a park, my son, and... Uh, you know, I sat down, I had all of the stuff while my wife played with him on the equipment. And then suddenly I realised I was on a bench and I had all of this stuff. And then I looked around and I couldn't see my wife or Charlie. And I go, what's happening? Now Now suddenly people are kind of looking, I feel like they're looking at me going, why is this middle-aged guy sitting at a, at a children's park where he's got like... With a bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, and I did. I look like a hobo, as and, I do all the and, time. And where's his right hand? Yeah, and I just was so affronted by all of these weird looks that I felt, fuck it, I felt obliged. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Well, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I'll put that to <laughs> where you have to cut that out.